this episode of the Naturist Living Show, Renting Water Parks. This episode of the Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca Welcome, dear listener, to episode 129 of the Naturist Living Show. My name is Stefan Deschain. I'm your host for this podcast and the owner of Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. This episode is brought to you by the very kind and generous support of Hubert, Andrew, Hanch, Barry, and John. John S., because we probably have more than one John. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for keeping the show going. We are starting to have a fairly decent amount of money, which is making it very worthwhile for Samantha to keep things going. And I'm sure you've noticed um, that there are more episodes now uh, because we're able to turn these out faster because I don't have to do all the work and it doesn't just depend on the free time that I have. So if you're not already supporting us, please visit patreon.com slash Naturist Living Show, one word. And today we are talking about water parks, or variations, big ones, small ones. It started with Tim, uh, Tim Chismar, who you've heard many times now, our intrepid West Coast reporter, um, telling me about how he had had a conversation with Corky Stanton about how they had gone pretty far in renting a water park in California. And I hadn't heard of that. And the reason I hadn't heard much of it, although it made quite a bit of news at the time, is that it didn't happen. It almost happened. They signed a contract, as you'll hear, and they got pretty far. So let's get started with that story. It's me it's him it's t-i-m back again for the naturist living podcast on the show today we are interviewing corky stanton the man the myth the legend behind cfi and clothesfree.com he had an amazing idea to do a nudist event at a water park and when stefan deshane our illustrious host and producer found out about it. He said, Tim, we got to get all the information. We got to get the details. How dare this be a nudist event that is not covered or uncovered by the Naturist Living Podcast. So we've got the guy on the phone. I love him to death. Worked with him forever. Um, Corky, hey, thanks for joining us, brother. Oh, thank you, Tim. It's nice to be here. All right, man. So uh, give us a little background. Where did the idea come from? Where was it at? Um, how, how did this um, How did this happen or almost happen? And uh, I, I know it wasn't yesterday. <laughs> right. It's it's history. It's back in 2004. Seems like yesterday to me, though. Anyway, it's near my house, about 45 minutes away, actually. And I was there just visiting the park as a tourist, you know. Uh, sliding down the slides, floating around in, in the pools. And I was thinking, if only this was closed free, it'd be so much better. You know, you know, going down those slides without having to worry about, you know, your shorts getting all tight. And I mentioned it to, to one of the people that worked there. Um, and they said, oh, they've been to nudist resorts before. And they've talked about it. And they love that idea too. And I said, well, I happen to, own closefree.com and we would love to have an event here maybe i could you know talk to your management and they, and they said yes definitely do it i will let them know and so another friend of mine who's a member um joined me i'm not sure if he wants me to use his name so i won't at the moment and he uh joined me and we met with him 
and they were excited about the idea. And they said that I can rent the water park for a weekend after they close for the season, which would be in September. And it was around May at the time in 2004. And so I did a little uh, survey online on our website, you know, who's interested in coming to California and have a weekend at a, a beautiful water park. And so many people would say they would buy the tickets. They'd love to be there. And so uh, bottom line, we signed a contract, open-ended contract, where either party could back out, you know, for most any reason. And we started to sell the tickets online. And we did not want to talk to the press yet because we didn't want it to cause any bad publicity for them. We wanted it to be a uh, quiet event, which was <laughs> um, not the way it turned out. So anyway, we started selling the tickets online and immediately people started buying them like crazy. I mean, from really far, actually from all over the world, even Japan and Australia, people said they would fly to California so they could be part of this event. And then I decided, you know, this could be like the largest uh, nudist event in history if it keeps on going after three more months of selling tickets. Anyway, somehow uh, it got to the press. Well, actually, because, you know, I'm online and you know someone's going to read it. And it got to, uh, I think it was uh, CBS in Fresno. And they um, immediately did a number one story about it. I didn't know what was going to happen. And they went and said, nudists are going to be at the water park. And it was like number one story. All of a sudden, everyone's calling me. And then the orders started coming in a whole bunch from Fresno of people signing up for it that have never been part of it. And of course, I had a lot of rules about who can sign up and, you know, they have to agree to all the. Um, you know, the ways to behave and so on. Well, was there was there any vetting through like Anor or Nature Society or any, yeah. any group? Yeah. Well, I recommended that they be part of uh, ANR or R Club or the, the Nature Society or agree to all these terms and we were going to hire security to really, you know, enforce all the behavior. So it was a experiment actually also. And, you know, we were getting our feet wet with this whole new idea and it was just blowing up, which means it could happen again, of course, if we did it right. And anyway, so if you go to the website, closetree.com, just click on the blog at the top where it says blog and click history. You can read all about it right there. And, and there's also video clips of the news doing the news stories. Well, let, let me ask you a couple of the a couple of the questions because we're, you know, you lived it. So some of the stuff that's common knowledge to you it isn't to everybody else. Um, for starters, what was the, the park? Oh, Wild Water Adventures. Is it still going? Yes, it is. Okay, and then what about the financial risk? As far as renting it, did you have to put any money down? No, but they wanted me to give them half of the profits if I do all the promotions. Gotcha, gotcha. That sounds that sounds reasonable as far as they're you know they're not out any money uh, except for right. you know the cost of water, but they're expecting to make a nice profit. It sounds and, sounds good, right? And we were. Um, saying if we don't sell enough tickets, we'll just have to cancel the event and get refunds. But it was looking like it was going to easily happen, you know, because we were selling the tickets like crazy. Now, the did they give when you spoke to the owners or the management? Did they ever discuss what they said they would do if there was a negative outcry, or or did nobody even consider that? Yes, yeah, they said they could cancel for any reason, like if they get. 
uh, negative publicity and they don't want to do it after all. And they also did a complete background check on us and watched a bunch of our shows and they saw that we're very wholesome and it, it, that it was family nudism and we were allowing people under 18 also, as long as they were with their parents. And it was also clothing optional, uh, which means clothed people could come because they wanted to not feel pressured, you know. And so, you know, that's why we had security. Interesting, you know? interesting, because that's always yeah. a big debate amongst nudist folks: the whole clothing optional versus fully exactly. nudist. Because you don't, but, you don't uh, want, you don't want gawkers. You don't want people just to show up to watch the naked people. You know. Yeah, but the thing that happened though, it, it, they did that number one story, and then my phone was ringing off the hook because the number was on the website, and then the next day, um, ABC and NBC. And the Fresno Bee and and other news organizations were all calling us, and I told them everything I could, you know, because it was, you know, everything was out. And by that night, the next day, it was number one story again on CBS and also the other channels. It was number one story on every one of them, and I had. Friends of mine record all the stations, and I still have all those. And those are on our website. You can watch the headlines and what they said about the news story. Well, you you would you would think you would think this would make the water park very excited. All the publicity. Oh yeah, they were uh, instantly loving it. But then uh, some of the news agencies were uh, trying to find people that didn't like it. So what they did, they went to churches. And they said, how do you feel about Girls Gone Wild type event at Water, Wild Water Adventures? And that was their exact wording. And, and that was done by um, ABC News, which made me really mad because there was nothing at all like Girls Gone Wild. Right, right. That's not how it's advertised at all. Yeah. And then, then I looked at the ABC News website and it said the same thing. Girls Gone Wild type event at Water Wild Adventures. So I called them and I said, you're going to be sued big time for lying about what this event is. And they had it down within about five minutes off their website. <laughs> and then they had a poll asking the public, you know, if they would be happy with, you know, this event is there. And almost everyone said no. That's because it said Girls Gone Wild. Okay, and then they redid the poll, and they said uh, a family nudist event, which is the words I told them to use. And then it was around seventy-eight percent or so was was saying it's totally fine if it's a private event. <laughs> so it was like night and day. And the bottom line is, these were interviewing all the churches, asking them negative questions. You know how news people are; they want to create controversy when there is none and the churches of course said no we're against this we're going to boycott them because they're told it in such a negative way that it, it, all the churches got together and and then the of course i was down there with the water park you know talking to them about all this what's happening and they interviewed them on TV, it's also uh, on the uh, shows at closefree.com. If you if you watch it, it's, it's of course free. It's in the blog. You can watch these videos, and um, so basically, by the fourth day, because there was another day of it being number one story again. By the fourth day, they called me for the water park and they said we're going to have to cancel because we're getting too much negative uh reaction from all the churches and they're going to cancel all their events and i said oh darn it okay well i have to give uh, thousands of dollars for the refunds and, and, and they said they feel so depressed about it and they were trying to keep it a secret i said well i definitely had to advertise it to sell 
ticket. But at the same time, that you know got it out to the media, but I didn't know the media would eat it up so much. It's so hard to get the media to ever mention my name. But then it's overkill. <laughs> and so then the next story was number one story on everywhere that the event is canceled. And which also hurts a lot of the local um, businesses like hotels and restaurants where people would spend money that we're going to, you know, visit. Well, I, you know, the other thing is they might have made more money off this and future events than they would have from, you know, Ma and Pa's church down the road, you know? Yeah, I know, but the churches do it, you know, all the time. And they just didn't want the negative publicity there. Their goal was to have it be a quiet event that hardly anyone knows about. But that's pretty hard to do. Well, sure, because it's out of the norm. It's uh, it's unique. Now, did anybody come out to support it? Did any groups? Oh, yeah. Well, there were people writing letters to the editor of the Fresno Bee. A copy of those are also online in the same blog. And they're just uh, talking away. Plus, there's a letter from a pastor that was all for it. And with permission, he um, let me post his letter on there, but I withheld his name. But he says he's a pastor and he believes, you know, in the part of the Bible where God said naked and unashamed and so on. Uh, British Naturism started renting an indoor water park in 2006, two years after you tried to do this event. Uh, yeah. They... They've been successfully doing it ever since. Why do you think they didn't encounter the same resistance? Well, it's in Britain. There's not as many uh, uh, churches, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Or, or the media maybe isn't as um, wild over there to you know try to uh, twist it into a negative story. Uh, but um, many other water parks saw this and called me and they said, we'd love to have you do it at our place. Well, but they were too far away and I couldn't really financially, you know, do it that far away, you know, like 3000 miles away. And so what were, what, so, what were some that reached out when you say 3000, like in what direction? In I'm, Florida. I'm totally in curious. Florida. Oh my God. Oh, all right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And and also from other parts of the world, too. Well, you would think in Florida, you know, that's pretty close to Anner headquarters. You think they'd jump all over that? Oh, yeah. Well, no, I'm saying in, in Florida, they wanted me to come out there and do it at their water park. Right. And I'm saying if, if, you, yeah. if you weren't able to, I'm surprised somebody else didn't step up, you know? Oh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Interesting, because I, I worked with um, the, the guys over at um, the Clothing Optional Home Network, and we looked extensively about trying to do something like this for Las Vegas, and it was just it was just devastating what a disappointment it was. Vegas gets behind swinger events and uh, strippers oh, yeah. and hookers and, you know, anything sexual, but here we are trying to do a non-sexual, you know, weekend of events, and it was just, it was just pretty teeth. Uh, I've noticed that too in Vegas. You know, I, I've tried to do events out there, and they want it to be all sexual or not at all. Yeah, uh, I, I don't mean not at all, but clothes. <laughs> right, right. No, we we, we had a meeting with uh, MGM Signatory, and uh, the lady there was um, like, we had told him ahead of time, it's a nudist event, nudist event, nudist event, nudist event, and then we show up to you know officially make the contract, and the uh, the head person says. I understand some of your women may be topless. And I was so angry. I could have threw something out the window. I couldn't believe. Like, they they thought it was negotiable whether or not people were naked. It's a nudist event. That's the whole point. Now, are you interested in doing something again like this water park situation? Um, I'm always interested. It's, um, as long as I can financially pull it off. Um, I need a uh, few people to work with me on it, and I'm open. 
you know. But the water park has to be at a place where it can be secluded. What's nice about Wild Water Adventures, they just had to block off a few fences and no one could see in. Now that's perfect. Now that that was back in 2004, and, and crikey, man, we're in 2020, um, have there ever been any follow-up conversations? Have you went back maybe with a, a different team, you know? Um, I have not, but uh, it, it's Fresno and hasn't changed too much, but <laughs> you never know. And that's, that's unfortunate um, that so much effort could be put into something and it could be ruined uh, by a few busybodies or some very loud or a very loud minority of people. Um, and it's unfortunate that Corky hasn't had the opportunity to try it again. But it does work. It does work very, very well out on the other side of the Atlantic from me in the UK. Um, British naturism which has been quite successful for many years, uh, doing all kinds of things, has been renting uh, a very large water park for, I think, about 25 years. In fact, they rent several now. And it's a very successful event. And so I got together with uh, Mark Bass, who is currently the president of British Naturism, to hear all about it. So welcome to the show. Um, so, Mark, you are the president of British Naturism, is that right? Yes, that's correct. And uh, thank you for inviting me to come along. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, how long have you been president? Uh, so I've been president for coming up to two years. Uh, before that, I was vice chair for a while, uh, so a year and a half. So about three years in total. Well, what we're talking about today, as you know, is um, the renting of uh, not just pools, but entire water park. And that's something that yeah. British Naturism has been doing for a number of years. Isn't that right? Uh, very much so. Um, so. So we're actually talking about going back uh, decades. So we've got relationships with, with water parks that are going back uh, 25 years. And so... It's not a particularly new phenomena and in, in the, this country. And that sort of continued relationship with, it does become increasingly important, uh, so particularly in, in the challenging times where, as we already said, the leisure industry might be facing difficulties. The fact that we are a well-known and valued customer uh, actually carries a lot of weight because it's, it means that we are supporting um, those venues in the same time that they are hosting us. So it goes back a fair bit of time, but do you know how it got started? So the oldest relationship was started out of um, uh, uh, clubs approaching uh, particular venues. So uh, one of our um, our water park swims at, at Waterworld in Stoke. Uh, British Naturism has been running it for five or six years, something like that. But before that, it was run by a club, so we're all naturists. And so they were running it for quite a few years. And I think there were connections even before that, although I don't have the history because we're now going back a couple of decades. So it's tended to start, as most naturism did, at the club level, which has then um, grown as the organisations and the federations have grown, uh, so that it's really expanded over time. So why didn't that continue at the club level? Why did British Naturism take that over? Uh, so one of the big obstacles that we always face with water parks is simply the cost. Uh, for for exclusive use of a water park, it is expensive, and there's never going to be any getting away from that. So at a time when they were struggling to bring in the numbers to make it financially viable, they concluded that maybe we're going to have to let this go. Uh, but they approached British Naturism, and of course, as a national organisation, uh, the Federation does have a, um, a better advertising structure, a better marketing um, capacity. So British Naturism naturism could take it over and keep it going and get the numbers through the door that needed to that were needed to make it financially viable so the decision was largely financially driven so you talking about numbers can you put some numbers what what does it uh, what does it cost and what do you need how many people do you need to make it work 
so we need so typically for a water park you're going to need um 200 more likely 300 people to uh to make it break even because normally an water park is running at a capacity of around two and a half thousand people so that's a lot of people uh so if we're talking about a small swim that's clearly not in the same ballpark uh so we're talking thousands of pounds um to hire the venue uh, and we've got to pay that up front as the um as the going rate for exclusive use and then it's then down on the organization so whether it's the federation or the club to make sure that they get enough people um come to the swim to recoup that investment so just for everybody who's listening uh one british pound as in february of 2021 we're recording this is about a dollar 75 canadian and a dollar 40 american so uh even bigger numbers in in those uh, currencies but obviously mm. it had to be a success or you wouldn't have kept doing it so what what kind of numbers were you getting uh, so we typically get around um, uh, 300 uh, a time at these things. Uh, sometimes we'll get um, an improved uh, attendance, but of course other times we don't quite miss the target. So you do need to be realistic and think about the the long-term plan and just try to hit um, an, an, an average income that's going to make it vi financially viable over time. But we, but we are gem generally hitting that, that 300 mark. And it's a, just a one-day event, is that correct? Yes, uh, yes. Generally, the water parks, um, of course, be because of cost, they, they tend to be uh, hired out, so usually for a number of hours rather than the, the full day. And I think there's certainly an aspect here when we're thinking about this sort of um, the costs involved, because if a water park is planning to be closed in an evening, it's a lot easier for them to give us a price at which is um, feasible because we're not competing with their peak hours. So this, they're still not antisocial hours, but it's not, we're not trying to compete with their, their, their peak income. So that means we can, you can hire the, the venues exclusively uh, for, a, for a feasible cost um, and, and still get a, a number of hours, which justifies people traveling a, a reasonable distance to attend. So when you talk about uh, a water park, of course, people may not have or may have different ideas about what that means. Uh, it's What kind of amenities do you have available to you when you rent one of those places? Uh, so if, if I was describing a water park, I would use the defining characteristic as it's got slides. Um, so so we're talking the, the big water parks that will have a, a number of flumes and, and these sorts of things. So of course, in addition to the pool, what they'll usually have is they'll usually have um, sort of the various supporting structures, so the cafeterias, uh, the bars, these sort of things. And we would normally have, have these um, facilities open because some of the people that will come to a water park event will want to be riding around on the flumes all, all evening. Other people don't want to do that. They want to have a bit of a chat. They want to have some time out. So making sure that you've got the facilities, have the cafe open, make sure people can sit down and have a chat with a cup of tea becomes very important. So we'll always have all of those things going on at the same time. And, you know, people thinking of British weather, these places are indoors, right? Uh, for the most part, uh, a number of the water parks do have outdoor sections and because the water's heated, it's actually wonderful to be able to sit outside in the cold air, in the warm water uh, in the evening. That's a wonderful experience. But but yes, most of the water parks are indoors. Yeah, it's something that, uh, strangely enough, in Canada, where it's even colder, we don't have as many as uh, Britain seems to, which is something we're missing out on, I think. Mm. So you've had some challenges, though, recently, and some press which has not been favorable. Um, can you tell us about that? Yes. So there's there's always the uh, the problem that naturism faces, is in that we can be um, misunderstood. So if you end up with uh, locals jumping to a false um, conclusion that maybe there's um, something inappropriate going on, and maybe this is some sort of sexual activity then of course they start you end up with rumors and gossip being spread and that can end up putting pressure both on the venue and also on the people attending a, a swim to um just just stop the swim so i think this is a problem that nature is in faces throughout and it's why clubs very often have tended to sort of being fairly discreet about um revealing too much about their location or their membership 
So really what we, we need to be achieving over time is it's just to improve the education. We know that uh, naturism is healthy, uh, it's respectable, and we don't, we didn't, we never see any adverse event, uh, events happening um, at, at a naturist swim. So it's just getting that message out. I'm trying to convince the public that actually there's not a problem here because we know there isn't. A similar event, uh, an issue happened in uh, Calgary uh, here in mm. Canada a few years ago. And uh, the it, it was a, a religious group that was fairly known for taking extreme positions that decided to protest and picket the event. Um, the despite being a small group, it caused the uh, people in charge to be concerned that perhaps it was a bigger issue, and so they they reacted and probably overreacted, uh, but eventually were convinced that it was just a a small fringe issue, and that most people didn't seem to have uh, to care that much. Is is that, that the way it is in the UK, or do you think there is a larger concern? No, that's very, very much our experience. It's a very small number of people making an awful lot of noise. And so it sounds like it's a much bigger issue than it is. Uh, because actually, if you start to talk to people in the area and in the street, they don't. They, most people don't have a problem with it. But if you've got a very small number of people making an awful lot of noise, it can feel so, particularly to a venue, that maybe there's... Um, there's more pressure on them because of course as a venue so when particularly if you're looking at a large venue such as a water park they don't really want to have adverse publicity so a lot of noise from a small number of people makes it feel um, quite serious because they start to worry about potentially losing custom in practice they don't seem to lose custom because we're talking about a minority here and as you say it tends to be the extreme minority that want to make a lot of noise and it's not necessarily about naturism. Usually it's just groups of people wanting to make a fuss about something. So that's why that the, the, the communication approaches are so important to make sure that we're continuing to engage with um, uh, the locals and with the venues and just keep it all in um, in perspective. So there's we have folks listening to this all over the world. And if people uh, want to do this where they are, uh, you are the most successful. Um, so what would your advice be? Uh, I think the most important, uh, well, the, the key hurdle with trying to start, start something like this is getting a venue on, on board. And of course, we as people are all slightly risk averse. So if a naturist is approaching a venue, the immediate re reaction is, is what's going to happen is there going to be a problem here so really the the trick that um as, as we found is to make sure that firstly we're completely open we're completely honest but also that we look credible that we look professional so this is the uh, the advantage of working as a federation rather than an individual club we can go in there with a high level of professionalism and a venue can immediately see that we are uh, we are not a small group of weirdos. We're a large group of respectable individuals with good pedigree. And it doesn't take very long for, for the venue to think, OK, yes, there isn't a risk here. So that sort of professionalism and, and, and care in the approach becomes crucial. And I think harking back to the point that we just discussed about um, the potential for protest, making sure that our paperwork is in place so we have an extremely rigorous safeguarding policy and it's actually being um, passed around as an exemplar for good uh, safeguarding practice in caring for uh, children and vulnerable adults and so if we can go to a venue and actually present a very well thought out risk assessment so we're recognizing what the possible problems are and we have a way to deal with them that immediately washes away the concerns that a venue might have. And so once the venue is no longer concerned about negative effects, it all comes down to the money. So if we are prepared to pay the price, there's no negative. It's a very easy decision now for the venue to make. And what about in terms of uh, how you uh, run an event like that and promote it? Any suggestions? Uh, so... I guess as part of our safeguarding approach, we do make sure that we have um, recognisable and responsible people um, attending our events. So we'll always have a number of stewards and safeguarding officers. And so they're going to be badged so that people can recognise them. And so partly this is in case 
God forbid something goes wrong, not that it ever does. But more importantly, actually having those recognising people there with that are badged up makes it very easy for new um, folk to recognise them and think, yes, this um, this is being run securely and I know who I would go to if I needed help. So on the day, that sort of just uh, visible presence is, is important. I think in terms of the, uh, the marketing, so clearly uh, being able to advertise and uh, sell these big events is a big attraction. Uh, we want to draw people into naturism and it's it's one thing to say to uh, people you know, oh, you should give naturism a try, uh, it's good fun. But if they don't actually have an opportunity, that it's largely worthless. So actually having these sort of big events is a way for people that are thinking, maybe I want to give this a go, to have to take that opportunity. So being able to... Um, advertise so we we essentially advertise through our our website and our forum uh rather than sort of taking out adverts in newspapers because now that means that we're targeting people that might be interested in naturism um but being able to be be public with that really does draw people in of course it's a double-edged sword as you are public and you get uh, media attention that also gets the protest i would guess that is the risk and that is the balance that um, we need to find. So um, it's something we continually have to review. And and uh, I, so you've touched on the press there, uh, because, of course, the press can be your greatest ally, but also your greatest enemy. Mm -hmm. And we certainly want to be promoting and we want to be normalizing naturism. And that means we talk to the press. And it's always wonderful to get good stories in the press. But, of course, it's very easy for um, the press to run a, a story just to spark a little bit of controversy because it draws attention to their, their newspaper or, or their media site. So it's finding that balance and trying to make sure that we um, are putting out a clear, transparent message so that it's not uh, misunderstood too frequently. Although, as we've both found, it can be misunderstood sometimes and then it's possible that we need to be taking a slightly more circumspect approach uh, whilst uh, we re-establish um, the situation and everything calms down. So have you found it to be a good uh, source of getting folks involved in naturism, new people recruited in trying it for the first time? Uh, very much so. It won't surprise you that this is something that we discuss an awful lot about why do people join a national federation? And this is opinion-based to a large extent, but it seems to be the, the events that draw people in. It's the philosophy and the the wish to continue naturism that keeps people around. So they come in for the events, they stay for the campaigning. It's perhaps a simple way of looking at it. So certainly we will see people... Uh, will join um, uh, British Naturism specifically go to go to an event. So most of our events are open to um, uh, naturists that are not members of British Naturism, but there's a significant um, price difference between a member and a non-member. So it's there's an incentive there for an individual that wants to go to a big event to join the organisation. And once they're in the organisation, they tend to stick around. So it's a great way of getting people through the door for that first experience. And this is very much what we're thinking about as we're trying to recruit people. That low effort first experience so that people can try naturism, find out that it's great, it's good fun, it's relaxing, and they're being respected there and then they will stay around. So even here in Canada, we've had, uh, well, we've certainly had lots of people renting pools. Renting pools is something that goes back, way back. Uh, in fact, the uh, the first uh, real naturist event in the United States was a pool rental, I believe, in New York City. I'd have to look that up. But it was... Uh, People have been renting pools in the winter uh, before people could afford to buy land. They were renting gyms and pools. Part of the advantage is that they're enclosed and you nobody would see what's going on. You can control access. But even recently in Toronto, uh, for, for well over, well, for a few decades now, uh, people have been renting pools. They do so in Montreal. Um, and they've been doing it in Calgary. And one particular group got started uh, Calgary Nude Recreation more recently um, and had quite a bit of success which resulted in press and 
the same kind of story you heard from the other two happened in Calgary as well. Here's Jeff and Matt to tell us that story. So, Jeff and Matt from the Calgary Nude Recreation Group. It's lovely to have you on. I'm curious about how you start. So, you're going to rent a pool that costs money. Yeah, we had to find a pool that was suitable. So, um, there's four wave pools in Calgary. One would not rent to us at all, but that was a private pool. So, I looked at the other three public pools that are run by the city. The first two, because of the windows, were not uh, practical. And the last one has some windows to cover. It's a bit of a complication, but it's doable. So, um, yeah, I walked in there in person to talk to them, and they seemed keen on the idea. Um, that was pretty easy. I had to get insurance sorted out, um, build a website, uh, you know, begin promotions. It wasn't that hard. Okay, so you find a place, and you want to do it, and then what did you do, stand on the street and ask people to come and get naked? <laughs> uh, well, we made a website for sure. Um, I um, shared the event in uh, different areas on the internet that I thought would be receptive, like the local Burning Man crowd. Um, but that, that's ultimately what led to the media finding out about it. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say, I think specifically the um, to kind of walk people through it a little bit, uh, CNR had started in the fall. It had held an event successfully. Uh, it had announced the Wave Pool Swims in January, February, March. Uh, there were about 100 RSVPs. At that time, it was uh, kind of managed through meetup.com, and I believe there was a Facebook event as well. Um, there was something like 100 RSVPs on January the 3rd. Um, on that day, a popular social media account picked it up, posted it on Calgary's Reddit, um, which I don't know, at the time probably had 60 or 70,000 subscribers, maybe a little bit less than that. Um, kind of went viral there. Everyone was talking about it. It was new. It was different. It was haha. People are getting naked. No one really seemed to do anything, um, or seemed to care about it from there. Um, from there though, the local media had picked it up. It was a cover story. The fact that the event was simply happening, that there was going to be a, a naked swim at the leisure center, uh, was a front page cover story on Metro on January 5th. Um, the coverage that popped up around that time, I found really balanced. It was respectful. There was punny. There was cliche headlines. There was bear jokes. There's stuff like that. But the they had the regional manager of recreation for the city provided a really great quote about how the city just loves to be accommodating of everyone. They get bookings from a variety of diverse groups. They don't consider uh, people who want to swim nude to be any different than someone of a religious sect that wants to be able to swim in clothes. They, they were very sort of very, um, I think, progressive and enlightened about it, which was really nice to see. Uh, over that weekend, though, there was a change.org petition that popped up. Uh, the, basically, the crux of it was they, it was sort of, we want it canceled, but if it's not canceled, it can only be, it can only proceed if it's made 18 plus. Uh, and that got to 24,888 uh, supporters of that petition uh, kind of by the end of everything. I want to throw in another little detail about that too, how the, you know, the, the media attention that CNR got, we got a lot of attention then and we did not have the protocols in place to process all those registrants. So like just, even if there was no backlash against that event, um, CNR grew too fast for me to handle in that one month period anyways. So there's a bunch of reasons why that was, all of that was not helpful. <laughs> There was a lot of concessions that were made to have that swim in February because there's a, there's a lot of concerns bouncing around the city. So I had I had one city manager that I interfaced with and he came to me with concerns. And this is a this is a situation where I think compromise is incredibly valid. We hear on the internet, you know, people arguing, you know, nudists shouldn't have to do this and nudists shouldn't have to do that. And it's like, well, I kind of agree with that a little bit, but if making compromises is what lets us gain ground, then I think they're fair. So one of the compromises was uh, because we allowed children at um, the event, it was it was asked if we could check birth certificates to um, make sure that parents are bringing their own kids. And like everybody agrees, even the guy presenting this to me agreed that this was ridiculous. But what it did was it allowed the city to go back to the people that were trying to keep our event canceled and say, no, your concern is not a problem because of these reasons. Like I said, everybody at the pool that I spoke to was super supportive of what I was trying to put together with CNR and even didn't think that the swim should be canceled when the, after the city canceled it. 
So all of these pool stories have one thing in common, which is public outrage. Public outrage, though, from a minority. And uh, it's very unfortunate because a few very loud, very pushy people, um, you know, who don't have to participate and who are not affected because the people who go to the swims are all willing participants. And, of course, there's this false narrative that somehow it's going to attract pedophiles, which, of course, that makes no sense if you really think about it, because why would they go to a place with lots of people watching them and keeping things in control? So it's kind of crazy, but it happens, and it happens over and over and over again. And the problem when we rent facilities is it's hard for the the people who run them, the owners, the politicians to differentiate between um, what's going to be a big problem and what is not. If it seems really loud and it's a little scary, well, what do they have to lose by saying no? Just a small rental in most cases. So we have to be very firm. We have to convince them. We have to tell the stories. We have to share. And we have to appeal to their sense of fairness because the cities do... Um, support other people with special interests. I mean, how many of you have a, a park near you that has a tennis court? I don't play tennis, tennis, and I I know that, uh, I don't know if the majority of the population doesn't play tennis, but it's not a large proportion, I don't think, that plays tennis. But it's good for people who like to play tennis, there are tennis courts. And so similarly for naturists, there should be time for naturist swims. And in Europe, it's not at all uncommon in most of the uh, major Western Europe countries, that you have naturist swims. And as you heard in the UK, renting water parks even. So hopefully that is inspiration, uh, these uh, three different stories for people out there who don't have a swim to go to in their areas. And maybe they can start, maybe you can. Maybe you can get something going in your area or get involved with a group and help them. So that's all for this episode of the Naturist Living Show. And thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, again, my name is Stéphane Deschain. I'm your host for the podcast and the owner of Baroque's Family Naturist Park. And I make the show with lots of help from Samantha Graham, who makes this so much more uh, pleasant and easy because she does all the hard work of editing and uh, keeping things organized for us. So thank you, Samantha, and thank you for supporting us through Patreon. If you are not supporting us, please take a moment and go to patreon.com slash naturistlivingshow. Just one word. None of that money goes to me. It's all to support Samantha and the show and keep it going. And even if you don't, you can still listen for free because we want to get, get the word out. We want to keep this going. But we really appreciate the support of the folks that are doing this. You can find links to all of the items I mentioned in the show notes on the website at naturistlivingshow.com. And also, please keep sending your comments and suggestions. I really appreciate getting them. I, I, we read them all. I read them all. Uh, don't always have to, time to respond to everyone. But uh, we really, it keeps us going to hear the feedback and the support that we get. The show's email address is contact at naturistlivingshow.com. It's also on the website. I hope you enjoy the show and that you'll join us again for the next episode of The Naturist Living Show. This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. Traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social, and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca.
Recording. Now I unpaused it. I believe we're recording. And he wanted me to do it in split stereo, so I got it in split stereo. I think, I think we're good. All right. Okay. So I'm going to uh, I'll pull up his questions and do a little intro, and then we will dive right in. Okay. So it's not recording yet. Um, it is recording, but he's not, you know, he, okay. doesn't, he doesn't have to use everything that's being recorded. Right. Uh, okay, um, no problem. Do you need me to pause it? Do you need to say anything you don't want him to hear? Oh, no. No, it's all good. Do you, do you want to talk <laughs> about what a big dick Stefan Duchesne is, and he'll never know you said it? <laughs> the biggest dick we know. Just the worst. <laughs> all right. I'll all right. save that for later. No, okay. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've always admired him. I've never had the pleasure of meeting him yet. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a really good guy. He's a really good guy.